Welcome to the Twinkle Trainee Teachers and ECTs podcast, the show where we discuss every aspect of teacher training and ECT induction to help you go into the classroom feeling confident. My name's Simeon and I'm a former primary school teacher. I trained several teachers during my career and I love working with our team at Twinkle, supporting teachers at the start of their journeys. And hello, my name is Ashley. I'm also a former primary school teacher working predominantly in Key Stage 2. I taught in both Year 4 and Year 5. But I also have experience as a TA and a one-to-one learning support assistant. I absolutely love working at Twinkle and I just want to help all of you trainees and ECTs out there feel confident and motivated when you step into your classrooms every day. Today's show is all about lesson observations. We'll be going over what to expect, how to prepare, and we'll be sharing our top tips to help you stay calm and succeed. But before we do, Ashley will share the ways you can get in touch with us and ask questions. Okay, so I think we're pretty much on every social media you can think of. So firstly, we're on Facebook. We have two pages on there, which are the Twinkle Training Teachers and the Twinkle ECTs and NQTs page. We have two community groups, which are the Twinkle Training Teachers Group and the Twinkle ECT slash NQT Support Group. We are also on Instagram at Twinkle Training Teachers. We're on TikTok at Twinkle Training Teachers. We're on Twitter at Trainee Twinkle. And we've also got a dedicated YouTube channel which is the twinkle training teachers and ects and you can message us on any of those platforms and we'll get back and hopefully we can help you with any issue you have Okay, so it's a brand new year of the Trainee Teachers and ECTs podcast. So uh, we're really happy we get to keep the podcast going for another year. And thank you, regular listeners, for coming back to us. And thank you to everyone new for tuning in to us. Uh, Mm -hmm. So we thought we'd start this year with something that people often find stressful, but is an essential part of teacher training and induction, and that's lesson observations. Yes, very, very scary topic for many of you out there. And hopefully this podcast episode will put your mind at ease and you'll know what to expect and you'll be able to go out there and ace your lesson observations. So I think probably what we should do first is just talk about what a lesson observation is, how it's structured and why it's important. Because I was just having a look through and you're going to encounter lesson observations a lot during the start of your career in various different forms. So you might have just a normal lesson observation where someone's observing you and giving you feedback. You might also have a formal assessment meeting. Um, mm-hmm. So that might be, take place at the end of every term. You might also have professional review meetings, which is like a lesson observation, might happen every sort of six to eight weeks and the objectives are specifically focused on the teacher's standards and you get a written record of this and your induction tutor should also provide you with some formative assessment as well. Yeah, definitely. So lesson observations, every single teacher out there has to go through them every year, unfortunately, but just the more experienced you become, the less frequent they become. As a trainee, you might have to do them every single week. As an ECT, it does get less, um, but you'll still be observed. And they are pretty important um, for your records 
but also just for you improving your practice. Yeah, and we we say unfortunately because I think I think you know obviously we both found lesson observations quite stressful. But I was reading which was the union. I was reading a union survey. It was the NEU um, that said actually that was one of the most helpful things for mm. people also on their training. So we shouldn't discount the importance of lesson observations in helping us become better teachers, especially, I think, if they're conducted in a constructive way. Yes, 100%. And yeah, as you were saying that, you know, we found them quite stressful towards the end of my training year. And as an NQT, I did start to take them quite positively and I was looking forward to them as an opportunity to show off as well. Um, if you are feeling pretty confident or you've learned something new or you want to show a new technique, it is a great way of getting the right people to see what you're doing and you can be proud of yourselves. Yeah, and I, I think part of it is sort of finding the formula that works for you. If you, in your first few lesson observations, get good feedback, everything seems fine, that's much less stressful going forward than if you're having trouble in the first few and you can't quite seem to find your rhythm and a few things are going wrong and it takes a while. I think once you're in that place where you know all things being equal, you can perform well, it's much less stressful. Yeah, definitely. And and going off on what Samir's just said, if you are struggling with the first couple, please don't take them too negatively. Mistakes are the way that we learn. And by highlighting areas that you can improve, once you have improved, you're going to be a much, much better teacher. So maybe if you are getting constructive um, feedback from your first couple, please don't be too down on yourself. It's all ways that we can improve and it's going to help you to be a better teacher and to be the best teacher that you can be. Okay, so leaving aside the more formal sort of observations, so kind of end of term observations and that sort of thing, what would be the structure of a typical lesson observation? And typical is a funny word to use in teaching because it's it's slightly different in every school. Yeah, it's definitely different. And I think it's different at the stage in your career as well. So as a trainee, you should be beforehand before the lesson, you should be having a meeting with your mentor to discuss what you'll be teaching that week anyway. And then you'll be discussing which one of those lessons is going to be your observed lesson. So you should know exactly what lesson you're being observed in before you're observed in it. And that's the same as an ECT. Even though they are less frequent, you should still know exactly which lesson you're going to be observed in. So you will have that meeting. That is a meeting that is a great opportunity for you to be discussing any nerves that you might have, any questions, talking about observation focuses, because your mentor might want to see how you work on behaviour management. They might want to see how you work with transitions. They might want to see you doing some group work. They will give you a focus or it might be a generic lesson observation, which they just want to see everything. But you should have all of that knowledge before you're starting to plan your lesson. And if you have been given a focus, make sure that's obvious in your plan and in your lesson. If if they're looking at group work, make sure you've got some group work in there. Absolutely. And the form this, and again, I use the word usually here very loosely, but the form this will usually take is you'll be given a set amount of time. It might be slightly shorter than an average lesson, depending on um, where you are in your journey. And your tutor, your mentor, whoever's observing you will find a place in the classroom and watch you teach. They'll usually 
have a copy of your lesson plan and notes and everything like that with them. They'll probably have that on their lap, maybe a nice cup of tea and a pen or maybe a laptop. And they'll watch you and try and note down ways you could improve um, things you might want to consider and reflect on in the future and anything that stands out to them. So already the process is slightly subjective because you will get different feedback depending on who's observing you. Uh, I remember in my training year, I got excellent feedback from my first three observations, but then very different feedback when someone else came and observed me. And that's something we have to accept. It is subjective by its nature. Yeah, it definitely is. It is subjective. The form that they will be filling in, like Simeon was saying, was writing notes and different things. Um, but usually if you're a trainee, that you will have a pro forma that will be provided by the university that is the same for all trainees, which usually covers all of the teaching standards to make sure that you're hitting them all. And if you are an ECT, your ECT provider should provide some type of pro forma that they will be filling in. So at least every observation that you have by that same person should be pretty similar in the way of what type of feedback you're getting as a trainee. It shouldn't matter who's observing you, they will be looking at the teaching standards and observe you on those. So at least you know that that will be staying the same. And you should always get written feedback from an observation. And if you don't, it's absolutely okay to ask for that. So once you've done your input, your intro, and the children are at their tables or doing the activity, it's not uncommon for the person observing you to go around the room, talk to the children, get involved. If it's fun activity, they might even take on a kind of TA sort of role and start helping out with the learning because after all, as teachers, that's kind of a natural thing we do. And generally, when I was teaching a lesson and someone sort of forgot the observer role and got involved in the learning, I started to get a good feeling that things were probably going well. Yeah. And don't be worried if they're starting to ask the children certain questions. They do that just to check that they understand what the lesson objective is and just to make sure that you've been explicit in your instructions and that the children understand what is expected from them. So it is quite common for them to be asking questions to the children and just to double check their learning. And I have known in my time an observer to even give me a suggestion or two during a lesson. Again, don't pa don't panic if that happens. It's a little bit naughty, but they might be trying to help you. They might be trying to keep things on track. So stay calm if that happens. I don't think it should really happen, but it, it is a possibility. And then at the end, when everyone's come back together, they might be keeping an eye on things, but they might be basically writing up their notes at that point and getting things ready to talk to you later. And unfortunately, you might have to wait for your feedback uh, until after school or even the next day, but they should try and give you the feedback as soon as possible. Yeah, definitely. And like Simeon said, after the verbal feedback, you should receive written feedback as well. And that should be within that week, if not the next couple of days or the end of that day. Sometimes that might look like a photocopy of the observation sheet that they filled in, or you might receive an email of um, some additional notes that they couldn't fit on the sheet. But you should have written feedback and you should be able to sit down with your mentor and discuss what happened in the lesson verbally. And this is a great opportunity for you to explain if anything went off plan, if you had to adapt during the lesson, if you noticed a gap in learning that you had previously thought that the children understood and you had to take the lesson back a little bit or if you had to stop it, 
Anything that happened that wasn't on your plan, it's a great time for you to explain that. And that will actually go in your favour because it will show how adaptive you are as a teacher and meeting the children exactly where they need to be met. Yeah. And it's important to remember here, lessons by their nature don't always go to plan because you have to adapt in the moment to the responses you get, the way the children tackle the task the questions that are asked. Um, so it's absolutely fine if you needed to go a little bit off plan, as long as you can explain the reason for that and show you're reflecting on it, um, which is a, a big thing, being able to reflect and being willing to say, actually, that didn't go so well. Next time I would do it like this. So Ashley, shall we talk about how best to prepare for a lesson observation? Definitely. Um, Being prepared is one of those things where it is a little bit of a balance. You don't want to be staying up till midnight, one, two, three o'clock in the morning, the night before your lesson observation, because you're panicking and you're trying to do lots and lots and lots and lots of things to prepare. The best thing that you can do is relax, have a nice sleep, get yourself feeling confident in your lesson but make sure that you have got everything that you need. And that is down to resources. Please, please, please do not leave it until 10 minutes before your lesson to print off your resources, to print off your planning, to check your computer turns on and that your PowerPoint is up. Please do that well in advance. So you want to be printing off your resources the night before just because you don't want to be stuck at the back of the queue for the photocopier five minutes before your lesson, getting yourself into a panic because nothing is ready yet. Or if the printer decides it isn't going to work or it hasn't got any ink or, as always, the toner is low. Anything can happen with printers and photocopiers, so don't be at the mercy of technology. As soon as you're coming in the morning, check that your computer works, check your whiteboard works. If you're going to use tablets or anything like that with the class, make sure that they're all charged. All of those little things will just make sure that you are calm and ready for the lesson instead of running around like a headless chicken five minutes before. Absolutely. Uh, In terms of planning, I'd say plan pretty much as you do normally, because after all, the the point of a lesson observation is to give you feedback on your practice. So you don't want to be too artificial. By all means, go a bit more in depth, tick all the boxes. I think a really key thing is if you have had previous feedback to look at that feedback and make sure you're going to hit whichever teacher's standards were mentioned, make sure you're going to address anything that was mentioned last time, make sure the learning is really clear and explicit. I always told trainees I was working with just to have it on the whiteboard for their Mm -hmm. lesson. So anyone observing them apart from me could come in and see what they were teaching instantly because that's another kind of observation we get in our careers is just drop-ins. And if you have the learning on the whiteboard, it makes everything very clear for anyone who might come in your room. And think about how that learning might be assessed at the end. How are you going to clearly demonstrate that the children have met that learning? Um, Because if you can do that, it's very hard to argue that it's not been a successful lesson on some level. And the other thing I consider is the other adults in the room where you have TA support. And if you do, it's a good idea to write notes for that TA. They don't have to be overly long, but write them some notes and then that can go with your lesson plan and that will go to the person who's observing you. Definitely. Utilising the other staff in your classroom is so, so important as that can be a way that you're showing how adaptive you're being. 
It can show how you're using group work because you can ask your TA or anyone else in your classroom to work with a group. But like Simeon says, it's really, really important that you write the notes for them. And if you can grab them before the lesson, just to explain what they're going to be expected to do, please do so as that gives them the opportunity to ask you any questions. If you're asking them to work with, say, for example, year six high group in maths, and they're not that confident with the work that you're doing, or, you know, maths isn't their particular strength, then they can ask you questions of, oh, how do I work that out again? Oh, what do I do there? And you can tell them and then they know and they're feeling confident and ready to go for the observation themselves because you might find that the other staff in your classroom, they might also feel a little bit nervous. They want to help you. They want to do their best for you so that you can have the best lesson observation possible. So just put their mind at ease as well if you can. Absolutely. And that brings up another very important tip. So if you're teaching something with tricky vocabulary or a high level concept, whether it's math, science or English, that you're teaching fronted adverbials for the first time, that's always a a lovely one. Uh, Make sure that you fully are confident with whatever you're teaching, you understand it. And there's no shame in taking some time outside of work to just, you know, study up on a few things. I'd much rather do that and feel confident in what I was teaching than going underprepared. The other thing you might want to try is if there is a task, try it yourself before the lesson and you'll have a much better idea of any misconceptions that might come up for the students. You'll also get a good idea of how long that task will probably take. Yeah, definitely. And I think one of my top tips for a lesson observation is it can be really tempting to try and fit so much into the lesson to prove how fantastic you are and how fantastic your class are and look how much we can fit in and look how quickly we work. But lessons, like Simeon said before, some of them do go awry. So please don't overload your lesson. Keep it quite nice and simple with a really good task that you want the children to do that can showcase off a lot of skills, but you don't want to be putting 10 things into a lesson and then not be able to achieve them. Because if your mentor or your observer has has your planning, they can see what you're expecting to do. And if you only get to do 50% of that, they might be asking questions afterwards of, oh, how come you didn't finish or oh, how come you didn't fit that in? Whereas if you keep it nice and streamlined, you're going to feel calmer and your class are going to feel calmer and it's not going to be as chaotic or rushed. Yeah, I completely agree, Ashley. Shall we talk about then how to remain calm mm. during a lesson observation? And I'll say right at the top, the chances are you'll never be as completely calm as you are when you're teaching normally. And that's that's just normal. Um, we all feel a bit heightened, I think, when we're observed doing our jobs. Um, but there are things we can do to help ourselves. Being prepared is one that always worked really well for me. Yeah, definitely. And feelings of nerves are completely normal. And I'm sure that a lot of us will be feeling nervous beforehand. But you might also get that surge of adrenaline before the lesson. If you can use that, that would be great. So if you're feeling like you're shaking a little bit or you're just ready to go, you might be filled with energy. Try and use that. Try and show your enthusiasm and your passion in the lesson. And yeah, that will really help you to push through the lesson and hopefully will engage all of your students as well. 
I think one thing to consider is how we are viewing feedback and the outcome of a lesson observation, because I've known teachers in my time who are very focused on the grade, very focused on getting only positive feedback or getting as much positive feedback as possible which is fine as long as you keep getting the grades and keep getting the good feedback. Um, but that's more and more pressure you put on yourself until one day you finally don't get the good feedback, which, you know, could happen to any of us. Any of us can have a bad lesson. So I think a much healthier way to come at it is by thinking that you are on a journey, you are a learner, you are improving every time, and you know that quite often the best lessons are learned from when we fail or when we get something wrong. Quite often there's more learning in that than just getting everything right all the time. Viewing your improvement is the aim of the mentor. They are there to help you, to help you improve. And if you start at a certain point and by the end of your placement, you are so much further down the line, that's a lot better than if you were always just good and you just maintained good all the way along. By looking at how you can improve, looking at your feedback, you'll be able to improve leaps and bounds and you'll be able to be a much better teacher at the end of it. One of my things, and I linked to it a little bit before, is the preparation the night before. So yes, make sure that you've got your resources yes make sure that your planning is up to scratch like Simeon said but also prepare yourself the night before make sure that you're looking after yourself making sure that you're drinking enough water that you're having a nice meal beforehand make sure that you relax and unwind and don't think about work get yourself a bath and relax candles anything favorite film play your game whatever it is that makes you relax going to the gym for example do whatever it takes to make you happy, to make you calm, to make you relax, that you get a good night's sleep and then you can wake up in the morning ready and raring to go. And I'll throw in one more tip that worked for me. And I think this one I actually read in a Dale Carnegie book um, about kind of stress and anxiety. I forget the name of it, but it, it was very good. And it was, it sounds counterintuitive, but it was actually, what would the worst case scenario really be? And could you handle it? The worst case scenario was that you got some bad feedback. Maybe the lesson got a bit out of control and your mentor had to step in or something. And you had to listen to the bad feedback and kind of accept that and make changes next time. That would be hard, but I'm sure most of us out there could deal with that and teach a better lesson next time. And when you think like that and you trust yourself that actually, even if things do go a bit wrong, I can handle it. I'll, you know, I might be a bit down about it, but I will be okay. That takes a lot of the pressure off. And I, I think that also takes away some of the fear of kind of that worst case scenario. What if it all goes wrong? Because it's the what if part that can be really stressful. Yeah, it definitely is. That unknown especially before if you've never had lesson observation before and you're listening to this podcast, obviously your nerves are going to be really high before the observation because you've never had one before. So the unknown is there. But hopefully as you go through your training year, as you go through your ECT into just your general teaching career and as you become more experienced, hopefully those nerves will naturally go as you will know that Sunil said what the worst case scenario is. Everyone has a bad observation at some point in their career. So please don't panic. It's not the end of the world. All you need to do is look at your feedback, adapt and improve for next time. Okay, so hopefully this has been helpful for you. Now, if you want to know anything else, you can always ask us questions on social media. Uh, we're doing a lot at the moment. We're running live Q&A sessions every month. You can sign up for 
those for free if you're a Twinkle member. Just keep your eyes peeled on social media or sign up to our newsletter and you'll find out about those. And we're, we're on social media every day and we're quite happy to answer questions. So this season, we're going to do something new and bring in some questions from social media uh, we get asked. Now, you don't have to give us your name. You can give us your name and be on the show or you can ask anonymously. Obviously, we will ask your permission before putting your question on the show. So we have a, a question this week, Ashley. Who's our question from? So this question was from someone called Ella and they sent us an email and it says, Hi Twinkle, I was hoping you could help me. I've just started a new placement and I'm really struggling with how to fit in. I'm quite a shy person and I'm really not sure how to approach people or how to start a conversation. I'm starting to feel quite lonely and I was wondering if you have any tips on how I can break the ice with people. And I think that is probably something that a lot of the trainees are feeling. It's it's yeah. tough going into a new school, uh, especially if you've got many different placements in your year. You're going to go into lots of different schools, different staff rooms, and it can be really difficult if you're not really an outgoing sort of extroverted person. It can be quite daunting. So hopefully we can help you if you're having similar feelings. So the first thing that I would say is that it takes time. So please don't rush it. Please don't panic if you haven't got a new best friend after the first week. That's very, very rare. It might happen, um, but it's very rare. So please take your time and do it slowly. So just make sure that you're saying hello to people. If it's, you know, a Monday morning, ask someone how their weekend's gone. If it's Friday, ask them if they're doing anything at the weekend. Just take it slow, be polite, be smiley, be positive, and hopefully all of those little small interactions will make a difference in the long run and you'll start to become really familiar with some people. Yeah, I agree with Ashley on taking it slow, just making sure you're saying hello to people. People always like to answer questions about themselves as long as they're not kind of overly intrusive questions and teachers like to help people. So as a trainee, you're in quite a good place to ask people questions around the school and they'll either assume if the question's about teaching that they're helping you or if the question's about them that you're trying to get to know them, which is a nice thing. So I would imagine most members of staff would be quite keen to talk to you if you were going around and asking questions. Uh, my other thought would be if you spend a few lunch times in the staff room without saying a lot, ju just pay attention to what the kind of topics of conversation are about. Do they all watch the Great British Bake Off, for example? Is that something you could talk about? The staff room is going to be your main hub for hopefully getting friendships. There's little things like Simeon was saying about listening to the conversations. Is there a certain football team that everyone seems to support that you also support? Do you have that in common? Or, you know, are you watching the most current TV? I don't know, for example, the traitors. Do you have an opinion on who the traitor might be? Or, you know, anything that you think that you can chip in with do so, but do so when you're comfortable. It might take you a while to feel comfortable to give your opinions and things. And that's absolutely fine. Um, just take your time, take it easy, take it slow and it will come. Yeah, that's really good advice. And I'd, I'd say that teachers are usually also very keen to discuss the children in the school and their learning. So that's, that should always be a point of discussion and hopefully a nice point of discussion too. Um, so we'll just finish off this episode by Ashley reminding you of our social media links. If you would like to ask us a question and possibly be on the podcast next time. Okay, yeah. thank you. Yeah, please don't hesitate to get in contact with us in any of our social media accounts. 
So we have Facebook, which are the two pages, which are Twinkle Trainee Teachers and Twinkle ECTs and NQTs. You've got two groups on there, which are Twinkle Trainee Teacher Group and the Twinkle ECT and NQT Support Group. We have an Instagram page, which is Twinkle Trainee Teachers. We have a TikTok of the same name, which is Twinkle Trainee Teachers. We have Twitter account, which is a Trainee Twinkle. And we have a dedicated YouTube channel, on lots of advice that you can just watch at any time, which is the Twinkle Trainee Teachers and ECTs. And thank you so much for listening to this episode. Goodbye.